Welcome to Scrolling to Death. I'm Nikki, an ex-social media manager. And I'm Ashley, a licensed teen therapist. Hi, we are back with another episode of Scrolling to Death. Today, Ashley and I are joined by one of our dear friends, Sydney Bolina. And Sydney is a world-renowned fitness entrepreneur, a fit-on trainer, and the founder of the fitness movement called Flight. So hi, Sid. Thank you for being here. Hello. I'm so happy to be here with you too. So Sid, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your business to start us off? Sure. So I have a background in dance, majored in dance in college, and naturally fell in love with the gym, fitness classes, yoga, any way I could move my body. So it was a really natural progression from the world of dance and my career in dance to the world of fitness. And when I went through my first training, I knew it was it. This was absolutely what I was meant to do. And from that moment in time, which was now over 12 years ago, I can't believe it, but it's been over 12 years, I have certifications in most fitness modalities from yoga to bar to mat pilates to dance and train instructors all over the world as well. I launched my own program, as you mentioned at the beginning, called Flight Fitness, which is a music-based workout that fuses this beautiful combination of cardio and sculpting and yoga in one. And trained instructors from Los Angeles to all the way to Seoul, South Korea in flight and have worked with many different fitness digital companies from Pop Sugar to now Fit On for the last five years and work exclusively with them and then run my own digital studio where I train private clients and then I do group training classes for students all around the world that can join in for live classes or have access to an on-demand digital studio. And those classes are so fun. I usually am able to do them every Saturday morning yes. and we have the best time and it's an awesome workout. So mm-hmm. highly recommend all you guys jump on there, um, sydneybelina.com. That's it. Okay. So thank you, Sid, for um, that background and and Sydney and I go way back. So we've been friends since 2003, which is 20 years. And so I love it very, wow. very much. It makes me so happy. <laughs> We're very lucky. Yeah. And, and so over the years, we've had lots of discussions about social media. You know, 2003 is about when MySpace started and Facebook just after that. And so we were right in that group, jumping on social media. We've ridden the wave together. And with us, you know, both having our own businesses, now Ashley as well, having her own businesses, many, I feel like three different kinds of businesses now you have, Ashley. Um <laughs> We all lament and talk about the struggles in keeping up with the social media demands related to our businesses. So today, that's the focus. We're going to deep dive into our experiences as business owners with social media specifically. I pulled some interesting statistics and research, and then we can share some of our personal stories. So so let me kick us off with just the fact that over half of the world's population is on social media. So if you have a business and you want to reach your audience, you're probably feeling like you need to set up social media accounts and start posting. But what if you're a business owner and you're not necessarily 
naturally a social media person or you're an introvert, you know, being active on social media can feel really uncomfortable and overwhelming for you. I wasn't personally on social media for like over three years, specifically deleted my Instagram in 2020. And so three years off social media and now having this podcast, I have to have social media to promote it. And I'm still finding that balance. You know, I have to be posting every day and I enjoy it because it's something I'm passionate about. Mm-hmm. But finding the balance of uh, what I want to share personally versus not personally and keep private to myself has been a little bit of a struggle and and just setting boundaries for myself has been important. Sid, do you mind sharing like where are you at right now when it comes to uh, social media and your business and how that all looks. Well, that was so well said and so relatable on so many levels. So if we track it back to, mm-hmm. you know, 2003, 2004 when MySpace was booming and it was such a great space to access music and connect with your immediate circle of friends who were on there, I initially never wanted to even set up a MySpace or a Facebook. In fact, one of my college girlfriends was like, you have to be on Facebook. What are you doing off of Facebook? And she created my Facebook page. So I was very reluctant initially. And then when you have your friends on there, it was a fun way to post silly pictures. And I didn't think that anyone was really taking themselves super seriously on that platform, aside from kind of the music aspect where you could find really amazing artists that you really loved. And I always loved music. So I was drawn to my space for that aspect. And then over time, I didn't use it actively all the time. It was just kind of a a space to post something here and there and have a giggle with friends and a picture and whatever. Mm -hmm. And then it's funny, you'll get memories back on Facebook now of like all the different Mm -hmm. things that you posted 10 years ago, 15 years ago. And you're like, oh, that's a really fun, silly little memory. And how much has changed across the platform and how it really operates now. So then I think back to when Instagram launched and, you know, the process of that. And it was really kind of just posting Uh, nothing to do with career initially. I think it was more just about, I remember posting quotes. Like I was like, oh, this will bring happiness to, you know, to people. Or I really love this quote. It's like a positive little saying that can maybe help somebody through their day or whatever it was. More inspirational, but not so much about photos of myself or videos of myself. So I was never really keen on that initially. Hence why it always made me a little nervous to dive in and be more forward with my personality and who I was and connecting with an audience. So Mm -hmm. once I got more into the fitness side of things and launching my own business, then came my YouTube channel an Instagram page for my company at the time, which was a fitness business, but focused on launching um, smaller 10-minute workouts that launched weekly that I did with my then business partner, Brooke. And Mm -hmm. we did it for, my gosh, five years consistently. 
And I remember speaking with her and she said to me, she goes, I think you should really let your personality show more and do themed workouts and see what happens. And then there was more of a connection to an audience. And then it was, oh, they really see your personality as opposed to holding back and just showcasing, oh, here's a workout, do this and this and this and this, instead really bringing another element to the table. And then you're able to connect with an audience more so, and then more work comes. So it's been an interesting progression to get to the point where I'm at. We can dive into that deeper, but that was kind of the start of how it all began. And I started really with those quotes and finding music and and then it took me probably about 10 years before I became comfortable to post these YouTube videos that were more of my personality without showing the area I lived in or any sorts of things that were too detailed because you want to yeah. keep that, I believe, really anonymous. I'm really passionate about keeping those boundaries really safe. Mm-hmm. But sharing something that you're passionate about in, I think, is really beautiful, which is what you two are doing now, too. Yeah. So, Ash, how has your um, journey looked with social media and then coming now to the last few years, like having your own business and having to promote yourself on there? How are you doing with it? <laughs> um, my journey's a little different. Um, I I got MySpace. I got a Facebook. And initially, I was doing it because I wanted to connect with other friends that went off to college. And then I remember that kind of booming. And I remember I was a little up and down with social media. I was super busy in my master's program. I had two jobs. I really don't remember being on social media that much. I didn't even know like what what a good post was or what a picture. I think most of my pictures, if if I scroll back on them, were like of my dog that we got. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> like our new dog. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, she was she was picture worthy. I got married and had kids and that's when I started posting a lot. And I think one of the big things that came up for me was comparing. I was comparing myself to a lot of different friends, a lot of different uh, women that had families or that were married or what clothes they were wearing, what did they have. Um, Mm -hmm. And I just remember myself, I I remember just kind of getting a little lost in it. I decided to take a step back. And then when I started my business, I got this kind of feeling too, that if you want to sell something, you need to have social media. That a part of your business, you need to have social media to reach an audience, right? You need an audience to sell. I I really kind of struggled a little bit with that. And then in my head, I was thinking like, well, you know what? How can I make social media good? How can I make social media where it's a place that I could help people? It's thoughts that come into my head, creative content that I'm passionate about that I can share with other parents and help them. Yeah, and it can be a positive outlet. I think for me, it's all about boundaries and like what's private and separating personal, some personal stuff from what our goals are with work. And for me on the scrolling to death Instagram, I, you know, started following some friends and things like that, but I found myself going down rabbit holes of comparing myself and feeling left out of things and, you know, not good feelings already. And so I decided I'm not going to really focus on following any personal people or like 
looking at stories, things like that. I'm just going to focus on accounts related to mental health and parenting and teen health and all of that. So that's a boundary I set, but it's still difficult because you want to keep up with your friends on there. You want to know what they're doing. So it's like a push and pull for sure. I think the other difficulty too, um, that I still even have, even having my business and Sydney, I'd love your thoughts on this is I still find myself comparing even in businesses, you know, if Mm. it's like, oh, that content is so much better or, or they have so many more followers, they must have more sales. Right. And, or I also uh, see how other business owners share more personal stuff And in my head, I'm like, do I have to share more personal stuff just to make a connection with my audience? And I struggle with that. I really like, I don't want to share more personal stuff, but then I understand that there has to be a little bit of a personal factor for your audience to trust you. Do you ever have any of those thoughts or feelings regarding comparison? So this is such a great question. My belief in this is if you had asked me five years ago, yes. Now, I don't battle that really at all. And I think it's because I've spent so many years building my business on social media. And I'm still not, you know, massive on social media at all. There are so many colleagues of mine that I work with and friends of mine who have really mastered being a social media influencer. They get it. Their accounts are gorgeous. They do a great job and put the majority of their time and energy into their social media accounts. They know what to do. They plan it out a month in advance. There's days that are spent creating all of this content. I mean, it's really a full-time gig creating a social media account that connects with so many people. So I... At this point, I want to say I admire it. There are people that I work with in my industry that I just think do such a great job. And I mean this genuinely. This is not, I just don't battle that comparison factor anymore because my belief with humanity is we don't know what's going on in everybody's life. This is tiny squares of content, a picture of content an inspirational post. I'm on the good side of social media. I believe in the good side of social media. And I really believe that when you're wanting to put something good into the world that helps many people, that you're doing a wonderful job doing so, whether you have 15,000 followers or 5 million, it still matters. And you matter in, in every piece of those moments because you don't know who it can affect or who it can help. And I think if you focus on that, it's one person at a time, then the comparison factor, in my opinion, really dissipates. But again, five years ago, that might've been a little bit of a trickier question for me. And I probably would say I would have battled that more because there's this, you know, competition of like, well, I've been in, you know, the industry this many years, or I have this background in education and all of these certifications where you're getting quality information from yourself, as opposed to maybe somebody that's newer to the industry or has a different educational background. I get it. Those pieces can be really challenging, but I think if you have a through line that you focus on that, you're like, you know what, this is my intention. 
and I'm going to make sure that I am putting as much good information out there that can help as many people or parents or children as possible in your case. And in my case, I want people to be healthy and get moving and have access to do all of these things and easy access to be like, you know what? I can do this. This is achievable. I can get moving. And so there's that aspect. And then you also mentioned, you know, do I have to share more information to be able to connect with more people? Right. So this is, I think about this a lot because the accounts that I'm drawn to in my industry of people and women, you know, that I feel like I can relate to and connect with, they're sharing a lot of their lives. And I mean, a lot, you know, their kids are all over, not exactly where they are, but where they are. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll tag where I am because I want people to have you know, information as to you should visit this or experience this, but it's after the fact that I'm there, never while I'm there. So there's, there's these boundaries you set in play, but sure. I connect to those people that are really showcasing this, this life that they've made a big effort to build. And I know how much work has gone into those things. I think it's important to share honest pieces of who you are. I don't think you have to share anything you are not comfortable sharing. If you feel like it's a safety issue or anything from there, then it's a no, then you eliminate it. You don't need to do that. But I think getting a little bit personal in like, this is my viewpoint on this, having a stance on something that you're really passionate about, I think goes a really long way. And those pieces are what people connect to as well. I like how you say, you know, talking about having a stance on something, it just hits for me because I have strong opinions on these topics. And when you put yourself out there, you're opening yourself up to negative feedback as well. But I think it relates and resonates with people because a lot of people are thinking it, but they're not saying it because they're afraid mm-hmm. of the negative feedback. It's scary. So, but it's scary. It, yeah. And you, especially if you're a person that is a very inclusive person, person and you want to be able to connect to everyone without any sort of negative feedback or people having Mm -hmm. an opinion on what you look like or who you are or whatever that it's going to exist that's in the world and I think if we just always do our best to try and erase those comments and not take them to heart so personally I mean there are times Mm -hmm. sure we have to think about things that we said or maybe I could say that in a different way or this is a great point Mm -hmm. fair but we have to be able to welcome those things at the same time and it's it's a challenging thing to do that's very challenging for me personally I love how you just said manage your time and your energy like where does that go to and a lot of social media accounts that do have quite a bit of following. And like you said, their profile is gorgeous. They spend a lot of time Mm -hmm. and energy. So even when you go on that page, it might look effortless when really it is a full-time job. And I think too, is that really goes into the comparison factor of really deciding for yourself, where is your time and energy going to be? Is it going to be a full-time job on on Instagram or your social media platform? Or are you going to go, hey, you know 
what? I can't compare because I am spending more time with my family. I am connecting more with my kids where I'm going to have to put my phone down more. I'm going to have to not post as much Mm -hmm. because I want that. So I think I love how you said it really comes down to like managing your time and energy and really deciding and being intentional of where that goes to, right? And that how that dissipates the comparison. You have 12 years of experience, if not more. You have um, amazing credentials and all of these certifications, right? Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think there is this culture especially on Instagram or even on TikTok, where people will look at how many followers you have. And that equates to like the authority and how, you know, how amazing you are by how many followers you have. When it comes to social media, I've always said I'm better in person. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're all better in person. (laughs) I mean, It's interesting because a lot of people feel very comfortable on social media because they run maybe a little bit more introverted. So connecting in person or having an experience of a class in person or an amazing TED talk or you name it, right? There's so many aspects of how to connect in person. I love being in person. I love the energy you cultivate in person. I also love live experience. So when there's live experience digitally, you can still capture the essence of what it feels like to be live. I think that it's more challenging for myself personally to connect on social media in a way that's that feels like totally me. I try my best. I'm getting there. Every day I'm learning. I'm seeing what's working, what's not working. It's a journey with that for me. I don't think I've mastered it yet. I do enjoy it. And then I also set boundaries. There are times that I feel like I can be on it more. And there are times where I feel like I just need to pull back a little bit because it's maybe consuming too much or I don't have any creative energy to go towards it and I'm feeling stuck. And so You know, it's an interesting relationship uh, that I have with social media, but I'm proud of what I've done so far. And I love what I've done because I've been able to connect with so many students all around the world where, my goodness, what even I think back maybe like seven years ago, those things were kind of just getting started. Courses and digital studios, the digital studios really boomed over the pandemic. So there's benefits to all of it. And again, we all just try and stay on the positive side of the social media space to create goodness Mm -hmm. into the world. And I think if you just keep that through line, we'll we'll all get there. (laughs) I think it's really important to say too, that social media does not define who we are. Social media shouldn't be the indicator of what makes somebody a really amazing person, person, right? Human. Mm -hmm. And what makes, you know, and, and not. And so it's who you are as a human. Let that stand first and then let that resonate in the best way you feel like you can on your social media page. If I let social media define me, I'd have a this is why people have so many mental health issues because it's difficult to get on there and see like, 
oh, this person has this and this and this and this and this. It's like, wait a second, take a step back and look at look at your own life. Every, every single person has their own story. Everybody's going through their own journey and we don't know what all of those things are. So it, I really have a pretty healthy relationship with it in all honesty where it's like, I don't know what's going on. I can admire the business side that somebody's putting out into the world. I can admire the good pieces of it. And I try and focus on those things. I don't go down the wormholes of something that I don't respond well to. I'm just not interested because what's that going to do? Of course, it's going to affect our mental health. So I think it's really important to be really cognizant of your own boundaries of what you're watching on here and what you choose to follow. Nikki, you mentioned that as well of like, I just Mm -hmm. didn't do well when I was watching all these things. I had to eliminate that because I know it's just not good for my personal boundaries. Good for you. Mm -hmm. I think that's really challenging for people to do because most of the world, half over half the world, as you said, is Mm -hmm. living on their phones. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, and business owners really measure their success based off of yes. like their social media following. You're always selling online and you have to show yourself too. So it's so connected to you. Yes. But I remember when I was a social media manager and clients would be like, I want a competitive analysis of our business versus all these other businesses, followers, engagement mm-hmm. rate, you know, all these things. And that would be an indicator of success yes. to them. Yes. But followers don't equal credentials and followers don't equal, you know, expertise. So it's a tough one to compare yourself. A lot of business owners may look at a competitor's following and engagement and think, well, that person does a shitty job at what I do. And yet they have all these followers and all these people think that they are better than me at this. You know, that's the crux of it. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And and I think it, it'll come through, right? So when like if you're selling something that the quality is is up top, right? And then this other person like has this great following online, but they're selling something the quality is not like you'll come, you'll rise through. It'll be obvious when people start engaging with the actual products. Yes. Don't compare yourself, your <laughs> online presence to another in your industry just purely on followers and engagement. You can't. There has to be other aspects of who you are and how you connect with your clientele and your community. I like to say it's like, it's more of you're building out your community of people where there's these conversations Mm -hmm. and movement practices. And the most beautiful moments are these like live moments that I'll get with my one-on-one clients, with my live classes in person. There's nothing quite like it. And I love those moments. And there's moments of social media that I'm like, this is a really nice connection. I really had fun doing this. I think when it Mm -hmm. becomes more of, I have to do it, a chore, these schedules, algorithms, all the things, Mm -hmm. it's confusing and it's always changing. And we're never going to be able to figure out it out. It's out of our control. And I'm not yeah. going to subscribe to that. I'm just not interested. But what I can right. do is follow my through line of what I believe in, getting more people moving in a safe way that's fun and that's effective and connect, finding that happiness and finding these good sides of 
mm-hmm. the internet and these social media spaces. And I feel like a theme arising here is like we can all feel really good about what we're doing on social media because it's all to help people be healthier, happier, yes. you know, it's all around mental health and physical health. Yes. So I feel amazing about what I'm putting out personally and I know you guys feel the same way, but there is so much negativity on social media and it is causing so much depression and anxiety specifically in teenagers. If everyone can just think like, if I'm going to put something out on social media, is it going to make other people feel better or is it going to make other people feel worse? Mm -hmm. Then we shouldn't be clicking post. They they talk a lot about social media in the sense of like trying to find your audience, right? And so I think sometimes when you start a business and you're trying to find your audience, there's this pressure that you have to sign up for all the social right. media platforms yes. like right. YouTube and Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and mm-hmm. uh, threads, right? You do all of them for your business and then you're like, oh, which one grows? And that must be my audience, right? I think that's a lot of pressure that gets put on business owners is trying to find your audience. Like where does your audience hang out? And it could be just really daunting. Daunting and it makes you dizzy. You're like, I don't even know where to begin. And does, uh, do I have to do different things on every, every single thing? Because every audience on every platform is a little bit different and what's responding well and what's... And every graphic or video has to be resized for that platform. Yes. Yes. Or redone because then some of them don't like the watermark of the other and Wait. they could ruin your your oh, analytics. Even, and I'm just like, what is this? Yeah, Why? It's, it's, Why are we worrying about this? Truly, it's truly overwhelming. And I think you said it best. You said you should go where you feel good going, where you mm-hmm. feel comfortable yeah. and and move there. I think millennials are on Instagram. We grew, we grew with it. Uh, same thing with Facebook and Facebook has an older generation on there now because it, you know, you can do photo albums and, you know, families love to do that on their private Facebook page. But again, that's opening up a wormhole too, because it still lives on social media. And do you Mm -hmm. want all of that out there? So there's, there's a lot of decisions. (laughs) Facebook is actually still the world's most used social media platform, has over 3 billion, almost 3 billion monthly users. Instagram is actually number four on the list. So it's like Facebook, YouTube, WhatsApp, and then Instagram, just as far as like monthly users. Interesting. Okay. I have Facebook account for my business and I'm really on there to be honest, like support groups. There's a lot of therapy, mm-hmm. um, therapist support groups mm-hmm. to discuss mm-hmm. on like they need referrals for something. They have a question regarding, you know, insurance pay versus private pay mm-hmm. versus all of this, even training. Some of the, it's so cool. You can, you can say like, Hey, I need some training in this. Like, what do you guys recommend? Mm-hmm. I like that aspect of Facebook. Mm-hmm. What specific boundaries do you put on yourself to um, make sure that it doesn't consume you? You sit there, you're on your couch, and I'm like, I've been scrolling for 30 minutes. How did 30 minutes go by and I've just been sitting here? So a couple things. I make a conscious effort that when I am in person, at dinner with friends, with family, to put my phone down, Always. Because to be Mm -hmm. honest, that's annoying. If you're in the middle of a conversation, 
you know, with friends, you're like, what? Wait, we were just conversing and now you're just on there texting or looking up something like aimlessly doing something. So I'm very, very conscious of that. The other thing is in my line of work, I have to have my phone on do not disturb all the time because if I'm filming, it comes through on my computer. If I'm training, it comes through on my computer from my phone. So my phone is always on do not disturb when I'm teaching live. I never want it to ring. I use my phone as my music source. So, I mean, much to my husband's uh, dismay, he's like, honey, I can't get a hold of you. (laughs) So sometimes it can be a little bit more challenging to get a hold of me. And in general, I'm not a super phone person. I just like being in person. I have a little bit of phone anxiety. So I think that helps me. Not a little bit. I think I have a lot of bit of phone anxiety. (laughs) So I think it really helps me to put it aside and have it on silent. And when your phone's going off all the time, that ding and jingle is always like, no, it's anxiety inducing. (laughs) So I think because of that, I'm more cognizant to put it aside. Now, are there times, of course, I'm caught on my phone in a aimless scroll? Yes, certainly. Like 100%. Definitely guilty of it. But if I'm catching myself, or maybe Adrian will catch me saying like, honey, just set it aside. Like what's, you know, what's the point? I'm like, that's a great idea. Sometimes I look online too for inspiration. Of, oh, that's so really great idea. I wonder what I could do in my line of work to captivate the same kind of feeling from that post or I'll, I'll search for inspiration in those ways too, but also yeah. set a boundary on it. To be honest, I'm not super active on it socially. To be frank, I'm not sure I comment on a lot of posts in general. So I can't totally obviously expect the same in return. It's not on purpose. It's just I'm not on there all the time seeing everybody's posts and you name it. I make a conscious effort. But then there's this other side of it that Nikki and I have discussed too of like, or Ash, you and I have discussed this too, where your feelings get hurt with friends and you're like, wait, Mm -hmm. they they posted this happy birthday thing for someone else and they didn't do it for me. And then you remember it and you're like, oh, it makes you feel sad inside. So there are these moments where you're like, oh gosh, if I spend too much time living vicariously through here or like, how come my good friend is liking all of that person's posts that they're not as close with and you can see it pop up for some reason it's in your algorithm but even some of my good friends don't even pop up in my algorithm. Like there's things you can't yeah, control. I know. It's it's so weird. Yeah. So I don't know. It's that part of it gets complicated when it's more personal. And that's where I caught myself recently. So, and I'll tell you this, Sid, this is vulnerable, but I had to mute your stories <laughs> because, and it's not what you think. Like it was because we have a mutual friend that I am no longer friends with. And there's no like, not ill will going on there, but when you're posting with that person and it was something that I would have been at like a year or two ago, it just makes me feel sad. And so, but like if I hadn't have seen it, I wouldn't even know and who I wouldn't have really cared because I wouldn't know. So there's like- Tender moments. It's tricky because it's like, it's too personal and the FOMO feeling and the left out feeling can be really big. Yes. And so for me, I had to, I just have to like separate the personal friendship stuff yes. and following all of that from 
what I'm looking at for business. Yes. Yes. But it's weird, you know? It's so weird. Those those (laughs) personal pieces, I think, are often can be the most complicated on social. Yeah. And two, like I said, you can't control these algorithms. So somebody who you're really close with and you follow on there personally, who's like a dear friend, you're like, I didn't even see that post. And then- right. It's not purposeful. You just don't, it doesn't come up. And so the time that you spend, and I have a boundary that's spent on there. So the time that you spend, Mm -hmm. you might not even see it. So it's, it's all of these things. And I get those pieces, I I think are the tender pieces of social media where it does matter far more in person than it does in a square. Yeah on a social media story, you name it. But some people live their lives through these screens. I know. I'm not interested in doing that. You want to help people and you are passionate about helping people. Mm -hmm. So you're going to reach people. You're going to be on social media. However, with doing that is you're going to be intentional every single day while you're on social media to make sure that it is for your passion and it is towards helping people. It's not going to consume you and you are going to be intentional about living the life that you love and making sure that you're setting limits. And and I love that. And that took a lot of hard work for anyone to have a business and to be really passionate and on social media. You got to be in intentional. You have to be intentional of what that looks like Mm -hmm. and how that interweaves in your life. Mm -hmm. And also ask yourself the question of what does success actually mean to you? What is the definite? It's so different for every single person. And so what Mm -hmm. does success mean? If I'm breaking it down for myself personally, success is, you know, rooted in the family that I have now created and making sure that the root of who I am and who I surround myself with is happy and healthy. And there's this beautiful circle, like this orb, this circle that you make a really huge effort to, to love and to nurture. And that doesn't need to live online, in my opinion. Like you can show mm-hmm. elements of it. Sure. Of course. Like people love it when I post Adrian. Adrian is a big, Adrian's my husband <laughs> for the listeners. He's a big <laughs> hit. Like he's so well, he's so lovable and he's wonderful to be around. And so glimpses yeah. of him are wonderful, but do I need to share our whole day to day and everything that happens and every dinner and all the things no, I don't think it's necessary. But little moments are okay. And but my I protect that first and foremost. And if that's happy and healthy, then all the other stuff can come far easier. And I've really stepped into myself. It was right before I met Adrian, really feeling good in who I was and confident in what I could give to the world in my line of business mm-hmm. and who I was as a human. Because it's not just It's not just your work. And I think we always have to remind ourselves of that. Yes, it matters 100%. Half of who I am is my line of what I do. I'm living in my truth when I am moving and sharing movement and creating movement. So yes, but there's this side of us that we are humans too. Mm -hmm. And connecting in person and being able to have these really beautiful, natural conversations where I know kids are struggling with conversing and being in person without this, 
right? Like right. without this, put it aside. Yeah. Can you, can they continue to have conversation and connect? And do they know how to connect with all different age ranges? These are things that are very important that also make you a very mm-hmm. successful person. So all yes. of these things line up to get you to where you are. And I think it's like I said, it's like you have your through, through line. You have to have the definition of what success means to you and how that lives in mostly who you are as a person and not just who you are in a social media square. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Thank you for saying that. It's not who you are. Like that glimpse of what you created for your digital identity on this social media platform it's hard to compare that to who you are in person. It'll never be able to capture that. We're so much more. We're so layered. We are so much more. And I think we have to remember that. It's like you can look at somebody and admire. Listen, I admire a lot of accounts. I think people are amazing in the art that they're literally creating. So I am Mm -hmm. all for, I admire it so, so much, but I think you have to decide the definition of what these levels of success mean. And so I am for sure going to constantly keep trying to navigate and figure that out from a social media aspect. And I'm navigating, figuring it out, what's going to be the most useful for the people in my community and, and, and those that I'm attracting on social media And am I connecting in the right ways? I think it's an evolution. I'll keep trying to figure it out in the best way. See what works. See what doesn't. And it's okay. It's like, it's just, it's, I'm here for it and I'm here for the long haul. And I knew it wouldn't for me be like, maybe like a super easy thing because I think I I thrive in person. And so I just need to Mm -hmm. start to get that across more from a digital standpoint. It's forever a complicated relationship, but I think when you really take care of yourself, the other stuff on social media, you can you can relax into it, release the comparison more, create boundaries that are healthy for you because that also keeps you mentally and physically healthy as well. Those pieces are mm-hmm. so important to keep in mind. I want to switch over and talk a little bit about some of the noise on, on it. well, let's talk about Instagram. Sure. So I, once we had only like, oh, we don't have that many followers yet, but we had 40 followers say, and we kept getting bots, like commenting, mm-hmm. promote it on, and they would tag another profile. Also getting um, inappropriate like porn mm, type accounts, yes. viewing things and liking things. And I'm like, we only have 40 followers. Like, what are you all spending your time here doing? Mm-hmm. And and I was looking up more about bots. So just for the audience's sake, Instagram bots are services that allow a company to acquire followers um, onto their Instagram profile. So you can like buy engagement or, or mm-hmm. followers for your profile and they're all bots, meaning like not real people, mm-hmm, right. um, just fake accounts mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that are created. And actually there's a total of 95 million bot accounts on Instagram. So about 10% of all of the accounts on Instagram are bots. Uh, And on Facebook, it's even more. So 13% of the total profiles or 270 million are bot profiles. So I'm wondering, um, Sydney, you have a a good amount of followers. Where are are you getting botted a lot? Yes. I'll see it on my stories. I can't track everybody's that's watching stories, but when you're going through your own, um, Mm -hmm. you can see like the, the top people that will watch your story. And occasionally it's a really inappropriate bot. So immediately I just block, but you can't have access to block all of them. Now my Instagram puts 
messages that they think are spam into like a special message folder. And then I just go through and I delete it. Right. So yes, they exist. They're everywhere. I feel really, it's a topic that I feel really passionate about because it's something that um, has hit a little too close to home without going into too much detail. Mm -hmm. I think that these pieces of social media, there are people that just can't decipher what's what's real from from not real and then they target yeah. those people and right. money can be stolen accounts hacked it gets really really dangerous so i am very passionate about this topic i've been wanting to get more involved in helping with it it's like you against some a monster it's you know how do you yep. get to all of these dangerous accounts, taking, stealing, getting access to things. This is why I say you have to be really intentional with where and how you spend your time on these platforms. Because Mm -hmm. yes, like I said, all of these pieces exist in the social media world, just like they do in life. And you have to be really cognizant and aware of these things. And you can't protect everybody that, you know, has access to, um, right. too social and it gets really dangerous. Well, you only have to be 13 to be on Instagram. So you expect a 13, 14 year old boy to not click on a porn bot account. Exactly. Like, of course he's going to do that or she's going to do that. Exactly. And it's not safe for them. Their brains are not developed enough to be able to make safe decisions yes. around that kind of thing or recognize that it's dangerous. Yes. And, you know, it does feel like taking on what did you say? Like a monster, like a behemoth. Mm -hmm. But I can't understand how Instagram cannot monitor these things better. Like I, so I reported those porn accounts that were in, that were engaging with our Instagram. And two weeks later, they haven't been removed. I can check on my reports, but they're, they haven't addressed them. They've registered that they were received, but they haven't done anything about it. It's it's you against a monster. Like how do you, it's, you're these small pieces of the world of the internet, right? We're all these small pieces in this massive world, but also the side of the internet is like, how do, how do you stop all of these inappropriate bots and negativity that mm-hmm. exist? And it's good because I always report these things as well. I don't just let yeah. them go by the wayside. I think it's harder right. when you have a much, much, much even larger account because you'll get more of that, of course. Right. So the tech companies expect like a back and forth. They want us to help them and report things so that they don't have to do as much work, mm-hmm. but but I expect them then to remove them. And it doesn't seem like that's what's happening in my experience. Mm-hmm. I'm expected to put my kid on there and then what they're going to be reporting these things or I have to monitor what they're doing and report for them. Like it's just very confusing what the intention is around keeping the kids safe. Like what's the responsibility on the tech company's side? It's a great question. You know, they haven't been prioritizing it very well. Just today, Gavin Newsom signed um, a new bill that's going to uh, put onus on the tech companies to remove the child porn related material, Mm -hmm. which is even further than what we've just talked about, but goes into effect in January 2025. I'm like, can we just do it now? Like, I don't understand. Why do we have to wait that long? 
Right. Yeah. Well, this whole thing is like bringing these conversations mainstream and putting ownership on the tech companies, like pushing against them and saying, like, this is not safe. Look how depressed our teenagers are. Look how depressed adolescents are. And just look how depressed like business owners are when they can't juggle that, when they haven't gotten the handle on how to be intentional with their boundaries, mm-hmm. on on like really knowing yourself and your passion and why you're there. Because mm-hmm. um, yeah. sometimes people just some business owners just show up like, okay, I gotta make some sales. I gotta I gotta put food on the table. Mm-hmm. So I gotta be on here and I have to be I have to be doing this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like yeah. my poor parents who owned a restaurant for 30 something years and social media comes and they're like, I don't know what to do with this. Nice. Like, yeah. and I did it for them luckily, but these older people that just can't get a handle on it, they're just not of the generation mm-hmm. to understand Instagram. And that's not fair to them. You know, right. it's not fair that they fail because they are not, they didn't grow up in the right generation yet. They still have a business with a great product. Right. So right. But let's talk a little bit about the algorithm. Sure. So Business owners need to understand that just because people follow you doesn't mean that they will see your posts. Mm -hmm. And until a user online engages with your post or your content, that's when once they engage, they're telling the platform, like, I'm interested, I want to see more of this, they'll start seeing some of your content. Yes. It can be really hard to, you know, get people to engage. And it can be confusing. Like, of course, they follow me but why wouldn't they want to see my stuff? But there's just too much like noise going on and too many posts fighting for priority in their feed. Mm-hmm. And what I learned in in my research on algorithms is to get your posts seen, there's so many elements you have to hit. So you have to obviously make the content relevant to your audience, but post on the right days and times when your audience is online, which is tough for me because I set aside an hour early morning to like do some work. And a lot of times I'll just throw the posts up there because mm-hmm. that's when I have time to do it. Right. But what's better is if I do it at like 6, 7 p.m. when I'm with my kids because that's when people are scrolling. And it's like that doesn't work for me. So that, no. this is a tough one <laughs> right. for me. You need to use the right hashtags. You need to use the carousel feature and the reels feature and any other new features that Instagram releases. Like they want you to be trying those out and they'll push those posts out ahead of others. You need to respond to your comments and your DMs. You need to write long captions. Like there's so many things that's probably not even close to Don't all forget of them. the hook in the caption. <laughs> yeah. yeah but, like, the, but the thing is, is these things are forever changing too. So right. they're constantly right. changing. Some new thing will come out. They'll be like, pushing the reels. Put Do more reels. Do more reels. I actually, I think reels are fun. So I actually mm-hmm. had fun with them and just did it because I really like doing them. Mm-hmm. The times, the days, in all honesty, that switches all the time too. They'll be like, Instagram changed their algorithm again. And you're like, why? What is happening? So it's out of our mm-hmm. control. Is there anything that you make sure you do to like get your post seen in the algorithm? Oh, well, they have this new feature on Reels where you can like, where you can add a topic. They're like, well, if you add your topics, it's better than doing a hashtag, but it hasn't made a difference for me. So I have no idea. Um, (laughs) I do carousels periodically. I think people enjoy a carousel because it's just like a slideshow. If you haven't posted a picture in a while and you've just been doing videos, those may do well if you just have a mm. really great photo that works well, just single photo. That's old school Instagram. 
listen, I haven't figured out the algorithm. Some things do really Mm -hmm. well. Some things don't that I hope did, uh, that I spent a lot of time doing. So I, you know what? I post the things that make me happy personally, that are elements mostly of fitness, but also elements of my life and the other things that I that I'm passionate about. And, Mm -hmm. um, I don't post as often nearly as I used to. I thought I, I thought I used to have to post every day. Then it was about posting twice a day. I mean, trust me when I Mm -hmm. say I've tried every algorithm that Mm -hmm. they say that they've changed. And sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. I don't know the secret recipe, but I know that I just, I post the things that make me happy and I post when I can post them, not when I have to post them because that's also Mm -hmm. constantly changing. Uh, I try and stay more consistent on stories because that's a little bit easier to do. It could be massive, you know, max a 30 second clip of your day. That's nothing in the grand scheme. So I don't feel as badly about that because I don't spend a lot of time doing that. And then yeah. when it comes to the actual content, I, it's a little bit more thoughtful and thorough, but I don't have mm-hmm. a game plan of, I've tried it before every, you know, Monday, this Tuesday, this Wednesday, this Thursday, this, mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> so I, don't, I, I, don't, yeah. I don't know the secret sauce. <laughs> I found myself already getting like, okay, I got to get my Instagram posts in. And then I kind Mm. of forget about all the other marketing elements or initiatives that I could be spending my time on. And I put a lot of energy into one thing. So especially for business owners that don't enjoy the social media side, like there's so many other ways to market yourself. What has worked for you both? A question for both of you, you know, in-person events, like what has worked for you that's not related to social media? In-person events are my passion, and Mm -hmm. I think when it's something you feel so fully passionate about, there's reception to it from the social media side. I started with in-person events. That's how I actually launched my business. Um, It was a big event with a DJ and a yoga class and vendors and um, working working with friends and Nick, you were part of my trial group for my program flight. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so, so those, those elements and those pieces in the event moments are my heart and soul. So for me, Mm -hmm. that's always what I look forward to live class. Always what I look forward to working with my clients and seeing progress. Always what I look forward to. So those things have a higher priority in my life. And also what I define success as as well, that's way higher mm-hmm. to me, knowing that I can, you make an impact with people. Yeah. You converse and have these moments and see the change and with, with people. Yeah. So for a lot of people, um, your email lists make a big difference and you can focus on your yeah. email lists and then cure, you know, build from there as well. I know that really matters quite a bit outside of social media, that's my, that's my heart is live events. Yeah. What about you, Ash? Um, I love in person. So I like to meet, um, other therapists in my area one-on-one, uh, just to get to know about their practice. And I love doing, uh, workshops in my community. If it's at the local church, if it's at charities, it's my way of getting out there in the community and giving back. I love to blog. Mm. Um, I like writing and blogging and that's another, just another creative outlet for me. And those blogs, Ash, you 
you've learned more about this than I have, but are really great for SEO and yeah. getting more eyeballs on your website, right? So getting yeah. that fresh content on your topic, on your website as often yeah. as possible are going to bring in more people to your to your site. And I'll say even like this is way old old school, but print mailers. Like I signed up for my gym that I now have this amazing community and go every day because he dropped off a mailer on my doorstep. Mm-hmm. Like, and he ended up being a dad from my school that opened a new gym. And now I have like great friends there. So, nice. so you can do old school stuff with your like local community. Relying on partnerships too could be interesting. Like we have this podcast. So partnering with another podcast to maybe trade up interviews or like we've reached out to different therapists to interview them or different people to interview them. There's so many other options from trade shows, joining community groups, networking events. Mm -hmm. We talked about email marketing, Um, doing PR is still a thing, like Mm -hmm. not as big as it was, Mm -hmm. but, you know, putting out press releases and online media placements online advertising with Google ads. Like there's so many other things to be spreading out your time and your resources mm-hmm. that it doesn't have to be all social media. Right. So if I asked you this, can someone have a successful business without social media? What would you say? I believe that if you have a successful brick and mortar space, yeah. then yes, yeah. of course. I don't think yeah. that you necessarily need social media to justify your success from that. If you're successful, Mm -hmm. you have a good community of people working and operating your business. You've created it from the ground up. Of course. Yes, absolutely. I think Mm -hmm. if your business fully runs on social media, it's a different story, right? Yeah. I agree with Sydney. Um, You know, me even being a therapist and offering in-person therapy Mm -hmm. services, I truly believe it's connecting with your community, talking with other therapists. Mm -hmm. I don't think you have to have social media. Now, my other business regarding like online courses, like if it's an online product, Mm -hmm. I do think social media probably would be incredibly helpful. You have to have an audience to sell it to. So where's that audience, right? So let's close out by sharing some tips or insight that we we have for people who have their own businesses because it'll be sort of a summary. A few things for me is you don't have to share your personal life at all, or you can pick and choose what you're comfortable with. And I think it's actually very important to set those boundaries. What are your values ahead of time for what you're willing to share and what you're not willing to share? For example, I do not share my kids on social media, so they will never be a presence on my company Instagram. But some people are totally open to that. And so they're going to be sharing that. Setting time limits for how much time you're spending or when you are spending your time on social media, I think is really important. Sid mentioned putting your phone on do not disturb. It can get really overwhelming with all the notifications dinging all the time. So set that boundary. You don't have to connect with everyone who requests it. I think that's a big one. People forget like focus on your target market, balance your social media out with other marketing tactics, like we said. And then Ashley actually hired a social media manager to help her with their business. So you want to talk about, I think that's a great step to take when you can afford it. There were certain aspects I figured out I liked about social media and there were Mm -hmm. certain aspects I did not. And I have been really intentional about wanting to spend more time with my kids and being 100% right there. And I have a couple other businesses that I have my hands in. And and so my kids take precedence over when I get home. I had to, for myself, go, what do I really like about social media that I feel passionate about? And what aspects do I not? And that I wanted to then outsource 
all those aspects. And so that's why I hired on a a social media manager. Mm -hmm. I love coming up with the content. I love being passionate and having the ideas come to me and going, oh, this is what I want to help parents in. All the other backend stuff, I was like, nope, don't want to do that. That just takes up a lot of my time. And Mm -hmm. I want to use that time accordingly. And I have loved it. I think it's absolutely worth it. So if you have a business and you have the budget for it, I think that is, and also that set, that helped me set the boundary of, okay, I'm done with this. Mm -hmm. Like, and I'm, I'm noticing I'm spending less time on it. And when I am on it, I'm more looking for inspiration. I think the thing that I've really gathered from social media altogether is the question of what does success mean to you? And how much time do you want to put into that side of your life and that side of your business? And where do you want your business to thrive? Where does your business exist? I think really answering all of these questions matters a lot because that will distinguish where you choose to spend the majority of your time building out your business, whether if that's in person where you need to spend your time there or whether that is on social media and just really having a nice distinction and understanding. And like I've mentioned a bunch in this podcast today, that through line of what matters to you, what does success mean to you, have a very clear definition of what that means. And then from there, you can really designate and allocate your schedule for where you need to put your time. Yeah. Yeah. I think a final thing for me too is make sure you're not getting all your validation from your online activities, right? Get that validation from yourself, your own self-esteem, from your family, from your in-person relationships. And that should always be the priority. And as business owners, a lot of business owners are also parents by you mirroring healthy relationships with your screens and social media with your business, you're teaching your child that these relationships in person and with the family are more important. And that's, again, a through line for us in our messaging on this podcast. So I just love how you put Sydney. It's not about the following. It's not about who's engaging or what it's, it's about putting your passion out there. It's about being passionate and being Mm -hmm. happy with what you put out there to help people and how to spread awareness and just being really true and um, authentic with your passion. And I just love that. That was, that was a wake up call for me. Oh, I appreciate that. I think it's really important is just be yourself. That's a lot to celebrate. And so put that out into the world and that's where people connect. I want to say thank you everyone for hanging in there. This is a bit of a long one, but I think this was such an interesting discussion. I love all the avenues that you can go down when talking about social media. We've been talking a lot about parenting and this was like a totally different topic all related to social media. I think it's super relevant to so many parents. So again, thank you, Sydney, for being here and we're going to close it out. Um, Hope you guys enjoyed this episode and we'll catch you on the next one. Thanks for listening to Scrolling to Death. Bye. 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 <laughs>